Okay. Hello. Hello. Hi, how are you? How are you? I'm good. I'm good, and welcome to Mexican. Mexican! Because we're Mexican. And I just, I can't. You can't. I can't. I have to apologize for oh, no. that. I have to apologize <laughs> for the fact that my, um, my articulation of sounds might be a bit off today. The reason being, I've been outfitted with a nice set of wire pushing mechanisms in my mouth because apparently yeah. I'm not, I'm no longer, you know, conforming myself to having anxiety problems while awake. Also, it started to happen while I'm sleeping and apparently I'm smushing my teeth together and if I keep doing this at this rate, I will literally grind them to dust. So, I've been outfitted with things like a, 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 a squishy thingy that I put in my mouth. <laughs> right. That's right. Okay, I, fe I feel for your boyfriend. It's dick. I feel okay, the for dentist, your boyfriend. The dentist says you have to put dick in your mouth or else it's not going to work. And grind? And grind. No, that keeps me from grinding. That's oh, well, that's true. Dick, dick does keep you from grinding, so yeah. The right dick. one, well. I said it in a very... <laughs> Kiwi voice, a dick, you know, <laughs> all all your names. Still need to do that, that oh, Hannah yeah. Gatsby episode. Yeah, oh, uh, yeah, yes, we do. Okay. Yes, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, uh, let me introduce my co-host. Uh, he started from the bottom, and now he's uh, this. <laughs> <laughs> Luis Augusto. All right, and. <laughs> You know that toy you really wanted in your Happy Meal as a child? Well, they're out of that one, but they do have Martin Leon. <laughs> You're really good at this. Well, look what I have to work with. I mean, it's oh, just, well, you know, thank they you. just give me the material. Credit where credit's due. Exactly. Did you see there's like a Netflix show, uh, Historical Roasts, with this guy uh, whose name I forget. It's not... Uh, something Ross... Um, He's been in a lot. Jonathan Ross? No, Ross. Noble. Ross Noble? I forget. Brilliant comedian. You should look for look for. You should look it up. Historical roasts. There's like a roast on Abraham Lincoln, one on Martin Luther King Jr. There's one on Anne Frank. Oh my uh, god! Is it good? I haven't seen them. I have to. I, I, would, no, I, have I to. I'm, I'm finishing. I'm. I stopped watching Teen Wolf at the time at season five. And I'm dying to know how it ends. You've stopped watching Teen Wolf. Yeah. Why did you start? Why uh, did you start watching Because Teen Tumblr Wolf? gave me the impression that oh. there was a gay couple. Oh. And to be fair to Tumblr, there was. It just wasn't the relationship they say there. There's this, like, massive ship, which is uh, Derek and Styles from Teen Wolf. And it just, like... It went over the show, actually. There's, there's, we are still writing fanfic about them. Um, so you're that kind of person. You just yeah. hear there's a gay couple in the show. It's like, I must feel represented. Well, the thing I is, it was a werewolf guy and a human guy. And the fan art and the fanfic was really sweet and really nice. I'm like, and, and, and t again, this was like when they were about to go into season three. And I was like, well, you know, if this is like a relationship in the show, uh, you know, this might be worth watching. And then I watched... The first two seasons, and it's. You, you, are you familiar with the term crack ship? No, I'm not. But okay. Do explain what a crack okay. ship is. You are well. It, 
for beginning, okay, a ship comes from a relationship, which is like two characters or more in a show in a relationship. Tis also a ship. Exactly. Tis also a method of transportation wherein and I will bring 20 stout men and I will find a, a way... To, with 20 men. Yes, I, I will find a way to make them have sex with each other. That is the way we do ships. That's the way I do ship because I'm a multi-shipper. But anyway, so crack ship... I multi-shipper! I like multi-shipping as well. All the more merchandise uh, can be brought... Oh my god, I do have merchandise from that ship too. Anyway, uh, I was on Comedy Central with a t-shirt with both Styles and Derek, which I bought from this Mexican girl. Styles and who? Derek. Styles from Stilly, Teen Wolf. From Teen Wolf. So anyway, so Crack Ship means uh, it's a ship that has no basis on canon. Like, it is completely, it's crack. It's like, it's an, this is a nice idea you have, but it's never gonna happen. Say crack again. Crack. Okay. <laughs> you may go on. You may go. But isn't uh, that the whole point of a ship that it's not going to happen? Like it's it's all in your mm, head. Sometimes no, but you could you you can ship like like if you're like for example if you're watching Friends, you could ship Rachel and Ross, and that's a cannon. Well, that's not shipping. No, it is shipping. A cannon ship. My <laughs> ship has many a cannon. Is, is that how it's pronounced? I have always had that. Uh, out, but anyway, I'm sorry, I just no, yeah, like, like Ra- Rachel, Rachel Ross, yeah, yeah, yeah. When is it? When is when it? When is uh, talk like a pirate day? Because we're gonna have a special day for you that day, yeah. I'm just gonna keep <laughs> anyway. So, you know, you can ship uh, the cannon ships, or you can, or you can uh, ship, you know, uh, whatever. Steric, which is Charles Derek, is, and, and I'm pretty sure I'm gonna have a couple people. I mean, I'm sure a lot of people that are listening to the show will be like, rawr. Uh, I'm sorry. You just keep, you just keep trying to make me talk like a It's not hard now that Arr. I've noticed. <laughs> I, I really like to talk like. Uh, I hate the the portmanteau of names. I hate that. Why? No. Has, I, has anyone ever called you and a boyfriend like a, uh, a combined never. noun? Never. Good. Good. Because I'd be I'd be genuinely. Although technically. My previous uh, boyfriend to, to the to the you know before the relationship I'm in now, his name was Luis as well. Okay. So technically, I suppose we could just be called Luis, and it's a combination of both our names and or Lulu. Lulu. <laughs> <laughs> um. Actually, I, I I don't mind the portmanteau, but I like it better when they have like a like a cute name. For example, um. In in the Avengers, uh, you can have uh, I forget what's the portmanteau for Thor and Captain America. It's like Six. Thor, like Thor, like Stephen Thor. Uh, but they but they also call it uh, Thunder Shield for obvious reasons. Um, Explain to me. No, 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 no Thunder Shield. Uh, they call uh, Black Widow and Pepper. Uh, black pepper. Um, and they call Hulk and Hawkeye Strongbow. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I don't know what they call that, but Green well, Arrow. Uh, uh, oh my god! <laughs> I'm good at you. This. You would be a treasure to fandom. I, I wouldn't. Um, yeah. I, yeah. Uh, the the one for that I loved uh, for Tony Stark and um, Hulk. Well. Bruce Banner was uh, the Science Bros. 
the science bro. Which was both like a, it could be a both a sexual chip or a more, or a bro TP. Or a, or an academic. Exactly. Like maybe they, they just, just exactly. write papers together. And they're they, like two asexual they, they scientists. Attend, they attend symposiums. It's like, yes. thank you Dr. Banner. No problem, Mr. Stark. Yes. Yeah. Oh my God, I love that fanfic. Yeah, they're, they're, I would read there's that There's no fanfic. sex, but there's plenty of theory. Oh my God. Plenty of hypothesizing. Oh my God. Yeah. Just it's like, there's, there's, there's people that ship Sherlock Holmes and Dr. Watson in exactly that way. Like, not the sexual way, just like two scholars that are like, oh. But isn't that, like, Conan Doyle shipped them that way. I yeah, mean, he, made, he wrote them yeah. that way. You can't ship something that is the way it is. Like, no, you can. Oh, I totally no, no, ship no. Romeo and Juliet. Yeah, no, but again, you can. You can ship the canon pairs. You can. But when the whole thing is about the pair, like yeah. Romeo and Juliet is about that pairing. Yes. Shipping Romeo and Juliet is like, oh, so you've read the play. Yeah, but you also write stuff about that. You write Romeo and Juliet AUs. You make, like, Baz Luhrmann did a whole movie in a Romeo and Juliet alternate universe. Um, there's Nomeo and Juliet, which I watched and enjoyed for some reason. People need to stop. People it was a fun movie. To stop. Um, I like the Baz Luhrmann one. Yeah, uh, so yeah, you, you can, like, yes, you can vary, like, for example, uh, the main, the main, uh, well, actually it changed in Teen Wolf, but like, uh, in any show where there's like a main pair of guy-girl, you have a whole lot of fanfic, which is just both of them, but now in Elizabethan times, but now oh. in the future, and now one of them's a vampire. And that's how the, um, what's, it, what's her face? The Which woman, one? the woman who are wrote... we talking about? E.L. James or yes. Stephanie yes. Mayer? No, no, no. The, E.L. The, James, the smart one. Stephanie Mayer. No, E.L. James. <laughs> E.L. James is a smart one. I wouldn't call her smart. Oh, sure. oh, so smart, so smart. Becoming a millionaire or billionaire. But but you but but that's because like if you are the spearhead of a movement of copyright infringement, uh, I wouldn't call you smart. But is it copyright infringement? Yes, it is. Why? Because it hits the same points. Like, there have been several people that said that Stephanie Marin would be in all her right to sue her for right, copyright infringement. Here's the thing, though. Uh, am I copyright she, infringing if I do a hero's journey? It's would not I be the same thing. By... It's not the same thing. The, 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 the like, y no, it wouldn't be. But if you took the plot of, um, Mira de Mujer and did a carbon copy, they could sue you for copyright infringement. I guess, but you know what? You people did that. I'm going to do a Shangela. Do you remember Shangela? I in do. In RuPaul's Drag Race when... You people, what do I have to yeah. do with Shangela? No, 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 no. Sh I'll tell you. I'll tell you what we've got to do with Shangela. Um, when in, in All Stars... Three. Three. When um, Trixie Mattel did RuPaul in uh, Snatch Game. Yes. And he starts going like, winner, winner, chicken... Dinner, dinner. Oh, this yeah. horrible thing. And Shangela just turns to the camera and said, "You people told her. On the, <laughs> you people told her on the internet that was funny." I and she goes, "I blame y'all. I blame y'all for El James well. because it was the logical conclusion. Like everyone kept just like reading but, fanfic but, but, and just but, not valuing originality." I'm sorry. There's a lot. I'm sorry, but El James is a bad fanfic writer. There's great fanfic. El James. 
was divisive among fandom. You can't say y'all did that because one of the points of fanfic is you do you by point of honor you do not make money out of the work of the people you admire. I'm sorry. Eel James, it's fine. You're allergic to the truth. <laughs> <laughs> You're allergic <laughs> to this truth that I'm dropping. You're allergic to the tea. I am allergic to the tea. Uh, I'm sorry. It's hot. Um, just like this tea. Uh, so yeah, I mean, no, I'm sorry, but you, you can't just say y'all because like a lot of people were really mad at E.L. James for, uh, you know, for making, being... in fact, you, the, the blame for E.L. James isn't with fandom, but rather with the, with, you know, all the media around her that did a lot to like 50 shades of gray would not be 50 shades of gray. If a whole bunch of news sources wanting like some fluff wouldn't have just taking it a run and you know there, and there's more levels to this because I did hate how part of it was just mocking women for wanting to have sex um, and mocking women for writing about sex and again E.L. James is a bad writer and she shouldn't have um, at least she should have tried to, like so are you mad at Fifty Shades of Grey because it's a copy or because it's a bad copy I'm <clears throat> mad at E.L. James because she, um, because she, she broke like this unspoken code among fanfic writers, which is we make no money. Exactly. <laughs> it's not because it's because it's not like it's the first time someone takes some takes inspiration. Like uh, even Twilight was inspired by Buffy the Vampire Slayer. And by um, Anne Rice. And Buffy the Vampire Bursley and Anne Rice. And then, you know, and you can make a case that both Buffy and Anne Rice when you were inspired by other vampire pieces. Bram Stoker. Exactly, before them. So it's not like inspiration. Bram Stoker was inspired by Mary Shelley. Exactly. So there's like this whole, this whole thing of being inspired. I mean, that's okay. Uh, and, and there's a lot of fanfic writers that, or at least writers, or now, you know, you know, full-fledged writers, but that started writing fanfic and then, you know, they maybe had an idea from there and that, you know, blossomed into something completely different. Um, E.L. James made like a, made like a bad copy of Twilight, which was not great in itself and sold it. And, um, uh, there's this great video by Lindsay Ellis called Sorry, uh, I'm sorry, Stephanie Mayer about how she explains that, you know, Stephanie Mayer could have sued and in suing would have, there would have been this massive, um, weird thing about legal, legal things coming into fanfic spaces, which, you know, uh, there is a huge gray area that it allows fanfic to exist, uh, because those are not your characters. And like, uh, for example, Anne Rice did actively, yes. uh, look for, you know, fan places and took down fanfic. Yes. Well, we should, we should save this. To the tie, you know, because we are planning a fanfic episode. Yeah, I know. Or this is becoming... Is this the fanfic episode? Has this (laughs) become... Has it become a fanfic episode? We could have a fanfic episode. But let's let's do it later, because... Let's do it later, okay. Because I've got a lot of feelings. I have have thoughts. I have a lifestyle. I have thoughts and I have a lifestyle. (laughs) Oh, you people just throw the lifestyle word around and suddenly we have to be okay with it. I never said you needed to be okay with it. Especially not with my fanfic. My God, it's awful. But anyway, so Mexican stereotype for today. Like, moving right along. We will will talk about this really, really for a little time. Um, The Mexican stereotype for today is... Corruption. corruption, yeah. Why? Why corruption? You've chosen this one. I chose it because we're going to talk about Game of Thrones, which, you know, talks about government and in several ways power is abused by 
people in power and how people who may not have had that much power when they come into power abuse that power that's given to them. Um, and, you know, in Mexico, we're, I don't know what we're famous for. We are famous for corruption. Like we're, we're like we're gloriously corrupt. Like in the, in they've they've released several lists of the most corrupt countries, and we're always near the top. Okay, I but think never we're like, quite there. Never quite there, but, we, but, but not even there. But if you look at the countries that are at the top, you know you you, you see things like Somalia, Somalia. Yeah, it's you know, like, like it, we're just places where there are actual pirates. Exactly, like actual. <laughs> You know, it's, okay. it just came back. And <laughs> so, what's has? Do you have any recent uh, experiences with corruption? Well, we've we've all got experiences. With, here's, here's the thing: um, I grew up watching my father paying off cops whenever they would pull him over. And my father isn't even Mexican, so you know he he went native rather quickly because he was like, he you was have just, like no other choice I've seen several people try to you know like no just give me my I've always had know. the choice like I've always had the choice of like not being corrupt like just like give me my fucking ticket I don't give a fuck and like this one time I was leaving this nightclub with my boyfriend and it was really late and by that I mean early like it was like seven and this cop pulls us over and is like Ah, uh, you you smell like like alcohol, sir. I have to detain you, and I'm like, no, you have to test me. Go ahead and test me because I've I had like a glass of wine the entire evening. Like there is absolutely no way I am above the 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 allowed um, alcohol level in my blood. And he's like, oh, I don't have it with me, the testing device. And I'm like, well, you have to bring it to me. He's like, no, you have to come with. No, you cannot detain me. You can test me on the spot. This is. In the law, you can do that, but... And there was a whole thing, in the end, he just let me go. He just, like, didn't... Oh, my best story with corruption was this one time. It was Christmas Day. Christmas Day. I was going from my parents. I don't know why, but I needed to go from my parents' house to my flats and back to my parents' house. Like, something cooking, probably, because I'm the cooking person in my family. So it's like, <laughs> oh, I've forgotten my sherry glasses. You know, something, <laughs> something gay like that. Something gay and cookie like that. <laughs> And uh, I was like, oh, I, I just have to go to my flat. And it was about, about a 20-minute drive. And I'm leaving my parents' house and I get stopped by a, a policeman because I looked at my phone, which I shouldn't have. I just looked at the time, but I still shouldn't have looked at the yes. time. Um, so I was pulled over and the cop says, you know, we've got you on camera. And I'm like, well, fuck it. Yes, give me my ticket. Like, what, what am I going to do? And then the guy goes, no, because it's such an expensive ticket. And he's like, please step out, step away from the car, or step out of the car. Step away from the vehicle. Yeah. And I'm like, yes. well, you have to give me my ticket. And then the guy gets stung by a bee. You're kidding. No, absolutely <laughs> serious. Absolutely serious. He's trying, because the cops here in Mexico, they will, even if you try to be um, honest... They will try to bring the, the, the dishonesty out of you. And they'll go, oh, you, wouldn't you rather spare yourself the yeah. pain and blah, blah. And he's going at this, and then suddenly he goes... And I, I didn't see the bee sting him, but he goes like, "Sir, a bee has stung me." And I'm like, "I'm." I seriously go, "Are you okay? Are you alright?" And he goes, "Yeah, it's just yeah, just let's carry on." I was like, "No, because you know you have to pay money." And I'm like, "No, just give me my ticket." It's like it's just I don't have the machine on me to print out the ticket. And I'm like, like "I'll wait. Is like... I'll wait. It's Christmas Day. What I'll else wait. Do you have to do? I'll keep you company." 
Um, because he told me that one that his partner had it someplace. Yeah, so he's bringing it. And I'm yeah, like, no, we're in a very. It was light outside. It was Beniferigo, which is like a huge urban freeway in the middle of the city. So it's like it's very safe. I wasn't gonna get kidnapped or anything. And the guy was just this guy. He was like the size of a chair. You know, it's just like a very small person. <laughs> and I'm just like, let's just wait for your partner. And while we're waiting for his partner, he goes. You know, this really hurts. Because <laughs> he starts talking about how much it hurts him. And I Is just, he allergic to bees? That's what I... I was like, please don't fuck with the policeman. Please don't fuck with the policeman. And I go, sir, are you sure you're not allergic to bees? Because if you're allergic to bees, you really need to get that checked out. And Immediately. Like, and he's like, no, no, I'm fine. It's just, it won't stop hurting. It's like that. And I'm like, that's odd, sir. I mean, it should hurt, but it really shouldn't hurt that much. You really need to get that checked out. Would you like us, to, would you like me to call medical assistance for you while we wait for your partner to bring the printing thingy for my ticket? And eventually he's in so much pain, like his eyes start watering. And I'm genuinely concerned about it. Like, I'm genuinely like, this guy could be allergic. He's going to die in front of me. Well, and I'm, yeah. I'm going to be in more trouble now. No one is going to believe me. No one's going to go, but what happened? You see, Sarah yeah, B. But like, how higher can the, you know, the fine be for murdering a policeman? Exactly. Like, through negligence. You know, it's like, and did you, did you tell him to call ambulance? Yes, I did. He wouldn't. So eventually the guy goes, you know what? I'm going to go to the hospital. You, you go along, sir. Have a good Christmas. And he, he didn't give me a ticket. And I was just you like... You should have asked for his phone number so you could check up. Are you okay? Can you print me my ticket? I should have done that. <laughs> no, you shouldn't have. I should have, but it's just like... I think something you, you, you mentioned here, which is something that a lot of uh, us Mexicans neglected, and even in other places, like we are not aware of what legally can and has to happen. So when they tell us... This, you know, you need to come with me or you need to keep blah, blah, blah. Um, a we, lot of us will just go, yeah. Sure, exactly. And we're, you know, a lot of people, especially you weren't, you weren't drunk, but a lot of people are detained when they are drunk. So they're intimidated and they, you know, they're afraid and they don't want to like spend a night in a cell and they don't want to blah, blah, blah. Um, so I do, I do think there's this part where, and, and, and this thing I know that I, that I haven't made an effort to like know more. Uh, like, what is the actual protocol that it needs to be followed? Like, if you get stopped and you know you did nothing wrong, or, okay, you, like, like you said, you looked at your phone and they saw it, so it's like, I mean, and so now what needs to happen? Um, so, but yeah, I mean, in, in this case, it's really interesting too, because, uh, when it comes to, um, mordidas, uh, how do you say that in English again? Bribes. Bribes, thank yeah. you. Uh, I like the word more. You have to know, yeah, if, you, if you're listening from the States or elsewhere, uh, <clears throat> the slang term for a bribe here in Mexico is a bite. Yeah, well, here we don't take a bite out of crime. We bite into it. Crime takes a bite out of us. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so, anyway, so, uh, so he, the p policemen and, well, law enforcement, they also have a quote of bribes they need to bring to the station, to their, like, to the chief. So, so the jackpot to the jackpot. No, they they, they do like it is like, bribes or like bribes fines. No bribes. Okay, because fines get uh go, go through system, so that's not you know taxes and you know whatever. Fines are money for 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 them for them. So they do have a minimum quota of bribes they need to get by day. 
So yeah, the thing is that if you if you like. So the system is corrupt. That's the system is in, incredibly corrupt. And then, of course, it's all designed that way because then they give them these awful pay, you yeah. know, this awful pay. And then, of course, they have to rely on bribes to make a living. And I'm not defending corrupt uh, policemen, but, you know, they're certainly it's certainly a lot more complex than just this guy trying to, you know, skip the system and trying to... Yeah. No. Corruption no. is the system. Exactly. And, system. and every time... And this happens everywhere. Like, every time someone says, like, comes in and says, like, we're going to clean the system, there's more people, like, that benefit from that wanting to say, like, no, 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 no. Yeah. Uh, that's not going to happen. Then people saying, like, yes, we're all now going to do things by the book. It's going to be great for everybody. Have you ever given a bribe? Yes. Oh. Oh, you are the cancer. Yes. I'm actually a Gemini, but... Oh, I don't like Gemini. They're two-faced. They're two-faced. I am saying, I am telling Martin Leo's joke to his face. I know. It's such a great joke. It's a good joke. I like, I like the uh, joke. Although sometimes people don't get it. They're like, why? I've told you this. Yeah, you told, told you. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't realize until you told me. You moved too fast with that joke. I hadn't realized what was wrong with it until that evening. I was like, that's what's wrong with it. It's too, it's too fast. It's You're too expecting fast people. It's too fast. You're expecting people to be too smart and they're not. Uh, I also expect them to not bribe, but then I do not. No, I don't. I don't. I don't, I don't expect. It. Like again, it's like I have been in positions where I'm like, I know that uh, just cost wise, it's gonna be way better for me to just deal with the bribe than go through the whole process. Which is actually quite easy these days. Like last time, I was fined. I don't know why I was fined, but I was fined. Must. I didn't skip a light, but oh yeah, I um. They're like you're criminally good looking, sir. No, no, <laughs> regret regrettably, that's never been my crime of choice. <laughs> embezzlement is my crime of choice. It's the sexiest crime, embezzlement. It does sound really sexy. It is. It is. It's like dazzle, but in, <laughs> but in your bed, embezzle. You know, it's uh, embezzling. Did, what's the, what's the Chicago song? Razzle dazzle. Razzle dazzle, embezzle dazzle, embezzle dazzle, dazzle bedazzled. <laughs> Bejazzled, you know. It's just, so you were fined. I was fined, and this guy in your car. In my car, yeah, I was driving. Did they take your car to the? They lobs? did not. No, it was okay. just an on-the-spot fine. And the guy comes and is like, "You," um, and I. The problem was that I didn't um, stop in time, so I was like, my car was halfway through the um, zebra crossing, so I got a fine for that. And the guy walks up to me, was like, "That's a fine. You pull over. That's a fine." And I was like, "Okay, that's the fine." And I will admit, I, I mean, I am checking my privilege. I have the means to pay a nine hundred peso fine. Yeah. On the spot, I'm not going to say I'm thrilled about it. I'm not going to say I'm swimming in cash and therefore like, it doesn't affect me. But I, I just do. park in zebra crossings all the time. Yeah, I just did it, and the guy pulls up this little like printer and just enters my car's number and everything and it prints out this little thing yeah and the moment i get and he tells me because this is something they're doing to fight corruption which i think is brilliant if you pay your fine the following day or like in the first three days you get like a like a discount 60 or 70 percent yeah. discount so in the end the fine that was 900 peso was probably about 300 yeah which is probably like what they would uh they would ask for in a bribe so it's like Oh, that was good, and it was so easy. That's the thing. So that's easy. the thing with bribes. Like sometimes, again, because people don't know when they tell you, "Oh, I bribed him. I had to bribe him with this much." You're like, "You should have just gone for the fine." 
like you paid more than the actual fine. Well, the, the problem is that when they when when it's an offence that would imply your car being taken away from you, yeah, then people will fork out a lot more cash because it's like I don't want my car taken away from me. Yeah, so it's like I'll pay extra to avoid the the, the bother of whatever. Yeah, but yeah, I don't, I don't, I've never, I don't think I've ever given a, a bribe, not okay. not to a policeman anyway. Okay, I have bribed people. <laughs> Yes. Just to get into the nightclub. No, God, no. But, but you know, <laughs> similar things. Yeah, similar. Yeah. Anyway, so uh, we, we, we stick with the, with the more a low level corruption. You know, like you know, street level. Because of course, there's larger corruption at hand. During in the Mexico. last administration, I believe there was the biggest corruption scandal history. That was they literally stole a state's worth of money. It, it was. And you know who went to jail or anything because of that? Nobody. No one. No one. The the one one of the guys responsible for that in in Morelos, the state south of Mexico City, is now uh, sort of something to do with states financing. Yeah. It's like it's nothing happened. I, I love it because people were like, "Oh, this is going to change everything," and it changed. And people and you tell it people it was a massive expose. It was like a, it, it was a massive expose, but it literally changed nothing. <laughs> well, it changed nothing, and it changed a lot because I, I will. This is me looking at the the silver lining where I can find it, which is it was an expose largely led by independent media. Yeah. Which is a first, because we used to rely on the main uh, media outlets of the country. And then this was completely independent. This was online. This, it was an amazing uh, news uh, outlet, independent, called Animal Politico. Mm-hmm. If you want to read, if you read Spanish and you want to read a good news source no. in Mexico, Animal Politico is one of the best ones. Like, I definitely... Uh, it's one. It's one of like whenever I want to like whenever I'm reading about anything, I do I do look for. You go straight for that. Yeah. For there, I mean, either, yeah, I try to read several sources because yeah. But if you can only read one, if I could only that's read a good the one, one. it's yeah, fairly. But I neutral. don't have that much to do during the day. No, so. and it's fairly neutral. It's not really left leaning or right leaning. It's more about fact it checking. It does try exactly. It is. It does try to be, if not objective, as broad as possible. It tries to bring yeah. as much like this is this side, this is this other side. I do think it leans to the left, not in not like the way not the way some other news sources lean to whatever they do lean. Um, but, but but yeah, does I, it lean to the left or does it just not lean to the right? Because here's the thing: here in Mexico, if you don't lean to the right, people will immediately assume you're on the left. I do think it's lovely. Yeah. Like I'm, I, I, and, and I'm saying this in the same in the same like any any you know anything. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I'm just saying that uh, anything you read is going to lean one way or another, because right. uh, no one is truly neutral. Um, yeah, no, so uh, not that I make a point of effort to read very conservative news here in Mexico, but uh, but. And I'm not saying it's a, it's a bad thing. Again, I, I, I think that whatever thing you're reading about, you should try to read more than one source on it. But anyway, so uh, let's go to our main event. Our main event. We're talking today about Game of Thrones. Dun, do, 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 dun, do, 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 what, what a great opening, by the way. It was a good opening until the last season. Like what many things. What, ha- <laughs> what happened in the last season of the opening? Because they only had two two spaces left. They they only got two places left. Like it was the wall, Winterfell, and, okay, and King's Landing. And I used to love like when I read the books. Let's let let me take you back 
to the 2000s. How many books have you read? Like, all, all the ones that are out? I've read all of them. How many are they? Five. Okay. And I started reading the first book in the early 2000s. It came out, I think, in 1999. Imagine the early 2000s. Yeah, imagine the early 2000s. You're younger. Avril Lavigne is still relevant for exactly. some reason. He you was a boy, highlights. she was a girl. <laughs> you know, she couldn't make her any, she couldn't make she it could, any more obvious, but yeah. Um, so it was, yeah, it was about 2003, I think, when I first read the first book. And, uh, I absolutely fell in love with it. I absolutely fell in love with how it reminded me of my history classes in school because we had this wonderful teacher called Mr. Jeremy George and he would teach us British history. And he was always very unapologetic in the fact that the Middle Ages were brutal and then uh, the Renaissance was this thing that just happened to a few rich people in Italy, but it was still brutal and things were brutal for thousands of years until maybe Possibly the Industrial Revolution. He was like, we're only starting to emerge from brutality. He always would tell us this. Like, okay. the past is brutal. The idea that the feudal system existed until the Renaissance came along is a lie. The feudal system existed well into the 19th century and pretty much the 20th century as well. It just changed names and changed flavors, but it was the same thing. And he would always remind us, like, this is us as a human race barely kind of emerging from brutality all the time. And he would remind us of... It was a great class. It, are it, we, though? It sounds like a downer. Well, are we, though? Are we? I mean, <laughs> look. Look. I'm not saying it's ideal, but now you get really, 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 really poor people having access to something like a vaccine. So, you, 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 it books, reminded you of this history The class. books were Girl. unapologetic so, in how... So, were you excited was. when they were going to make the series? Or were you like... I was so excited because the books have all, had already, like, they'd all been released. The books that have been released now, it was up until the fifth book. Now, the story has progressed a lot because the, the books are pretty long. But really, it was like book one, which was fairly straightforward. Then book two, it becomes really, like, a very complicated. Book three, in my opinion, is the best one, the longest as well. Then there was going to be a book four, and George R.R. R. Martin uh, wrote it so big that they had to split it. So it was the same... Overachiever. Story. Yeah, basically. And it was the same... Because apparently... You're people, a nerd, George R. R. Martin. Because people are intimidated by reading a 1,500-page book. Well, typically, uh, The Lord of the Rings is one book. Yes. Like, yes, it's, it divi it's divided into these three books. Almost randomly. Massive quotes. Almost randomly. But it's really one, just one really long book. Absolutely. Absolutely. So anyway, so they divided these two and, and so, so I didn't know this. So the five books that are out now. Yeah. Were the five books that were out when the series Oh yes. Started. Yes. No new well, books. No wonder they're mad at George. Well, here's, well, look, George is a very thorough writer. Okay. He writes this very dense, very elaborate a prose. Well, he should learn from the TV show writers and not do that. <laughs> Agreed. But then again, you know, here's the thing. George R.R. R. Martin, who's, who's read a fascinating life by all accounts, he's written for TV many times and for science, science fiction magazines and all kinds of things he's written. And he, this was kind of like his big break. His books were making him a fair bit of money, but they hadn't turned him into the rock star that... To my mind, he deserved to be. He was okay. this guy who had dedicated himself 
100% right. And that's the thing for another episode, how authors and especially like authors like J.K. Rowling and George R. Martin, who are alive to see their work become this... Legend. Uh, well, this this cultural event, because even in comics, it's not just the one author. As, as, yeah. Yes, uh, Stan Lee became a celebrity. In, and he was already a celebrity among yes. comic people, but he's not the only one responsible for everything that became... Uh, the the comics, but anyway, that's from an episode. Coming back to to this, um, uh, my, my question: I, I think we do need to center the conversation around uh, this last season and basically what happened around the finale. So when when you heard that this was going to be the last season, yeah, uh, were you worried at all? Uh, look, I'm not worried in, at, at all about like I don't think there is such a thing as oh they're going to ruin the story like okay. They were making changes from the beginning. Yes. And that was okay. There was no way... Was there a particular change that even if you thought, okay, fine, it's okay, that you thought, okay, they did this better in the book? Everything. (laughs) No, everything is done better in the book. But then again, I'm not one of those people that says, oh, the book is always better. No, it's just that I think it has to do with your personality. Some of us have a personality where it's like, I'm okay reading thousands and thousands and thousands of pages where the, the author takes the time to tell me what it is they're eating at this particular feast. And he would. He's that kind of author. He, yeah. would, he would like, it's a feast scene. And I knew he would just like go and said, there was a crackling pheasant and there was a blah, blah, blah. And there was this thing and the wine came from this region. And then you heard of this region from the wines before you actually visited this region in the narrative. So you know, oh, this is where all that fancy wine comes from. It comes from Dawn in the south, which is the finest wine in the Seven Kingdoms. And he's got these little morsels of of world building that I really, really, really love. That's really hard to convey in in the media exactly. of TV and film because exactly. you're not going to stop the scene for someone to be like, well, this is the greatest wine from blah, blah, blah. And some people really won't have it as they read. Some people like a book that just goes straight into the action and that's absolutely fine. Well, yeah, but then you don't read George R. R. Martin. Exactly. No, but... but uh... So you weren't worried about uh, the the last season, uh, but do you have any expectations? I had expectations because okay, the last season. And by the way, if you haven't seen the last season, major spoilers. I don't know if, if we should. Bother I'm, I mean, I mean, I'm sorry, but the moment. Major spoilers. Yeah, hashtag spoiler alert. Yeah, uh, spoiler alert. But uh, the thing is, um, because I knew that the books they ran out of book material two seasons ago, so seasons seven, eight, and nine. They're already, like, the, the finale of season six, that's where the books were left. Okay. So, just to give you some perspectives, in the book, Ramsay Bolton's still alive. Okay. Um, they haven't fought. Uh, the, the Battle of the Bastards hasn't even happened. They've kind of hinted at the fact that it's going to happen, but it hasn't even happened. So many things haven't happened. So, when the show started giving us what comes next, a part of me was delighted because, like, I really wanted to know what happened next. Because the last chapter of the last published book is Jon Snow getting sapped to death. Okay. Which I was personally delighted with because I <laughs> hate Jon Snow. Why do you hate Jon Snow? Uh, the books are written in a POV fashion. Okay. So each chapter is written from the point of view of one particular character and then it, it, the point okay. of view is jumping around. And what made you hate Jon Snow? Jon Snow is a very unlikable character to my mind because he's clearly meant to be the audience surrogate, which means he doesn't oh. have much in the way of personality. And <laughs> the first 
three books, all Jon Snow was doing was like, oh, it's very cold. I'm really cold here. Uh, we should go further north where we can be even colder. Oh, there's a hot girl. I'm going to try to... I had a teacher who was from Yorkshire, so I can do the accent really well. <laughs> yeah, so it's really cool. I don't know, like, maybe I should fuck her, but maybe I should just not. That and, is always the question, isn't it? Yeah, that is always the question. So Jon Snow, compared to the stakes that were in the other characters, like, when you were following... Tyrion, you were following political intrigue. And when you were following um, the Martells down south, it was also political intrigue with, with, with a fair bit of action. And, like, every character had this thing going on. It's like, oh, I want to go back to King's Landing. So when you would turn the page and you would see that the next chapter was Sansa, then you knew, oh, back in King's Landing. I, I, I get to see what's going on in King's Landing. And then you oh. saw Jon Snow and it's like... Jon Snow, oh, it's going to be snowing. <laughs> it's going to be snowing. It's going to be cold. And if you were in a movie, you could be like, okay, bathroom break. But in a book, no. That's I mean, exactly you could it. take the book to the bathroom. That but. is exactly right. That is exactly right. So, uh, Jon Snow, I hate, so Jon Snow dies. And then the, 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 the TV show moves to this new territory and I was so excited because like, oh yeah, we get to see, does he come back from the dead? Because everyone in the, in, online was going crazy, like he's going to come back, obviously, and so on. And is he really the son of Rhaegar Targaryen and Lyanna Stark? And it was confirmed, that was confirmed by the show and it was, I was very delighted to hear these things. And there were many beautiful things that the show did after they ran out of material, the Battle of the Bastards being one of them. <coughs> but... Then the problem was when they announced that they would finish the show with a six-season episode, sorry, six-episode season, when there were still so many loose ends, I knew what was going to happen before it happened. They were just going to tie loose ends like crazy and have it be as simple as possible so they can give us some kind of closure. Yeah. So... What happened with the Iron Islands and the fact that they were thinking about becoming independent because they were an independent nation for such a long time and they had rebelled and so on, we don't Nothing. know. <laughs> By the way, the storyline of the Iron Islands in the books is brilliant. It's okay. so complicated. So many brothers and so many things going on. But here, obviously, streamlined. We forget about it. Who cares? Uh, what's going to happen with Bran and the fact that he's now the three-eyed raven and he's having this whole discovery thing and so on? Let's just tie this up. Doesn't matter. He's no longer the, the guy. Tyrion has this whole thing going on. What's going to happen to him? Oh, we'll just, we'll just have him hang around, say a couple of smart-alecky things, and then he will have a moment, and then that's it. Like, yeah. uh, Cersei and Jaime, what's going to happen to them? Oh, let's just tie it up. It was just a, a rush, to, rush to the finish. It reminded me, I, I've mentioned this before, I do a lot of pen and paper role-playing. When you're the storyteller... <laughs> And you want to finish, yeah. but the players refuse to. because And it's a compliment, because they're enjoying exactly. your story. And they want to complicate things further. So they're like, oh, I'm going to go bring this character from the from the start of the place. And you're like, oh yeah, he's dead. When? What do you mean he's dead? He's dead. He like, died. Yeah, he died. And okay, so I'm going to call my mentor from my childhood to see if he has something to say. Oh, he's dead as well. <laughs> Like, like you just, there's no line, there's no signal. You've put this boss fight, you put this boss fight at the end of the Chronicle Yeah. for them to get into. Like, the scene is set, just go in there, win the thing, and we can finish the story. Save the world. 
finish the story and be home in time for dinner. You know, yeah. it's just, and they won't. They won't. Oh my god, I do that in actual RPGs all the time. Like this is the final you one. Have to. Yeah, yeah, you, yeah, you have to. Like when you actual when you, RPGs, video game RPGs, yeah, video game RPGs, pen and paper RPGs, or actual RPGs. As a storyteller. You really yeah. have to like streamline the stories and railroad the characters. And there's also this thing where, where of course, several characters were just there for one specific purpose, and like you know, and that I mean, the, they're great characters in their purpose, but you never yeah. thought, okay, what happened to them? It doesn't matter. Exactly. Like they're just there, yeah. and you can. He you know, came. Like, he went. That's it. Yeah, like they become these NPC characters that are there to fulfill the one okay. thing. So in the end, the party of the characters, it had to be reduced to this very small group of people who have the one motivation. So yes. they had the one motivation is that we're going to beat the, um, the army of the dead. And then you resolve the entire army of the dead thing in one episode. Okay. It's all done. So, um, so here, uh, so how do you feel with the ending of Game of Thrones? It's rubbish, but I'll tell you why it's rubbish. And <clears throat> it's not as rubbish as people think. It's just, <laughs> it's just it's rubbish, but you don't know it why. It has a very simple problem. A very, 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 very simple problem. And this is when I take the opportunity to talk about something that is pretty much the... A rule. little thing called love. No, no a, a crazy little thing. <clears throat> <clears throat> Sorry. We're going to talk about a crazy little thing called setup and, and payoff. Pay yeah, this is basically every- storytelling 101, people. Not, a, not even storytelling, stand up comedy 101. No, if you, you have a setup for your story and the, uh, for your joke, and there has to be a payoff, which in this case would be the punchline. So if I'm mentioning, you know, when I was a child, my father used to beat me at chess, <laughs> you know. I'm sorry, that was a great setup. <laughs> <clears throat> That's a setup, and you need to pay it yeah. to pay it off one way. Are you gonna? Is it gonna pay off by your father turning out to be the good guy? Yeah. Or is it gonna pay off by you turning out to be this guy who was a masochistic kid who 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 got into trouble on purpose so he would be hurt? Like okay. there has to be something to make that setup worth it. Yes. And Game of Thrones has done setup and payoff beautifully in the past, and I want to cite one example. Uh, one of the best baddies in Game of Thrones was Ramsay Bolton. Yes. And Ramsay Bolton, he is introduced as this completely psychopathic son of a cunt. Yeah, not so. Who is <laughs> absolutely irredeemable. Yikes. The irredeemable fuck. He is the first villain in Game of Thrones who is absolutely irredeemable. Even Littlefinger has this thing of, I come from very humble origins, and I had to work my way to the top, and I became poisoned by the game, and blah, 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 blah. By the gays. By the (laughs) gays. Even Cersei had these redeemable qualities to her. Mm. Ramsay Bolton, you could argue, you could argue. I won't argue. Ramsay Bolton. Ramsay Bolton was this 100% evil fuck, sadistic, and just cruel in a new level. The first season we see him, he spends literally the entire season torturing a man. Yes. That's all we see him do. And that's the same in the books, by the way. Except that in the books it's even worse, because in the books you don't see the torture happen. Instead, you lose sight of Theon for two books. And and then then he comes back. One day, a new character, because remember, it's a point of view chapters, and the titles of the chapters are the names of the character. And this new character called Reek comes (laughs) along. And you're like, who's this freak asshole? And he's in a he's in a prison cell. He's missing skin from his finger that is becoming infected, uh. and he finds a rat. 
and, and he, he starts eat eating the rats because it's the first warm meal he's had in months. And you're reading this chapter like, what the fuck am I reading? And it's not until the uh, until like three chapters of his point of view later that you realize, oh holy fuck, it's Theon. Mm-hmm. This is what happened to Theon. He has been tortured for years. He's been twisted out of his mind. And that's the first clue you get that Ramsay Bolton is a nutcase. So, we see Ramsay Bolton. He's an asshole. Then it turns out he's quite a clever asshole. He keeps talking this and so on. But you see, from the very beginning, he is this guy who likes to play with his prey. Yes. He likes to play with his prey. And his favorite way of playing with his prey is he releases them, gives them the uh, the illusion that they can escape, and then he takes his hounds, his hunting hounds, who have names in the books, and it's super creepy. Um, and he has a flesh-eating horse in the books as well. He's trained a horse. He has starved his horse until his horse has developed a taste for human flesh. You did flesh. not see my face, people? My face like, what the fuck? No, he is he, he is beyond... Oh my he God. Is, he is beyond... Evil and his horse is called the Smiler, the Smiler, because he's always baring his teeth because he wants to eat people. It's it's insane. Oh my god, it's insane. And this guy, he hunts Theon and brings him back with his hounds and so on. And we know that the people that he kills, he flays them because his house's thing is flaying, and then he feeds them to his dogs. Setup. That's the setup. This is the character. Then we get reminders constantly of this is the guy, look at his dogs, and the camera keeps lingering on his dogs. His dogs are here. And then he goes someplace else, and Yara tries to save Theon, and she gets scared because of the dogs. The dogs are still there. Why is the story reminding us that these dogs exist? Because it's gonna get eaten. Because it's gonna be a payoff. And finally, at the end of the the Battle of the Bastards, wonderful sequence, just gripping. Okay, so this is something that hasn't been in the book, no, no, this okay. hasn't happened in the books, but it was, and, and this is why I, I cite this example because it's it's a great payoff from a setup that was previously. It was a setup okay. from the books, and it yeah. paid off by the creators of the show. Yeah, and then the the death scene of this guy when he is beaten to a pulp by Jon Snow, he's in a cell, very quiet scene. It's all dark, and just out of the darkness, Sansa emerges, his perfect victim, if you will, because Theon was a bastard. An asshole, not a bastard, because Ramsay is a bastard. But uh, <laughs> Theon was an asshole, so you kind of like didn't feel too bad for him, except when you start feeling bad for him. It's like he didn't deserve this. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, it's a bad fate for anyone. <laughs> it's a bad fate for anyone. Sansa emerges, and she just very quietly she goes. Um, and in that same episode at the beginning, he said that his dogs are going to have such a good time eating her because he hasn't fed them for seven days. And she comes into the scene and she says, your house will disappear, your name will disappear, no one will remember you. And then the dogs come in and you go, there it is. Payoff. Dogs come in and he goes, my hounds will never hurt me. They're loyal beasts. And she goes, they were. And now they're starving. And you get to see... Ramsay Bolton ripped to shreds by his own dogs that he used to torture people. Yeah. Beautiful payoff. Everything, just every reminder scene that the dogs existed was there because he's going to die by that. That's what's what's going to kill him. Moving into the final season, where's the payoff? We were promised payoff with Cersei. Something big had to come and happen with Cersei because she, her setup was she burnt half the city she blew up the sept and we was like oh you know she's going to she's going to do this something incredible is going to happen to, with this girl nothing she gets killed by bricks 
She gets, yeah. She gets killed by bricks. With Jamie, right? With Jamie. Again, Jamie. We needed a payoff because Jamie has has had this whole loyalty theme going on. Like, who am I loyal to? Because he's actually a decent person. He's actually a decent human being. He's just... And that's a lot to say for a guy who, in the first episode, throws a 10-year-old kid off a window. Yeah. But he is actually a good person. If you look at him, he's there's a decent human being in there. I like, I like that you men- mentioned a good person, because in the, I just finished watching the last season of Bojack Horseman, and Diane has a great... Uh, Bojack keeps on saying, like, I'm a bad person, I'm a bad person. And Diane answers, like, no, you're not. You are a person, and you do good things, and you do bad things. And if you keep on saying... I'm a bad person. It's you. It's you saying I have no other choice than to do the bad thing, and but you do have the choice to do differently. Yeah. No. Absolutely. So I I, I like that you mentioned that because I think it kind of it's it's not whether Jamie is good or bad. Is I think a lot of people did want to see a, a, a redemption arc. That was his arc. Yeah. His arc was redemption. Just when you thought he was an asshole, he did this thing. It was like, okay, he does. He is capable of mercy. He is capable of justice. He's capable of the, his whole Brian thing was him realizing that his sister is crazy. His sister is not good for him. And there was no payoff for that. Varys, who happens to be my favorite character, both in the books and in the TV series. Varys is this guy who is loyal only to the realm and to the good of the realm. He's kind of like this guy above good and evil. And he's done incredibly bad things, but he's done them unapologetically because he's like... This is for the better. This is for the better. Yeah, this is for the better. For the major good. Yeah, like he's not playing the game. From the beginning, he's like, I'm not going to do this as out of loyalty for a particular person. Yeah. And that's like, okay, fine. And then there was this little exchange between them and Daenerys uh, last season when he was like, Daenerys was like, I need you to be blindly loyal to me. And Varys goes, no, I won't. I will be I will be loyal to you as long as you're the best option for the realm. And right now you're the best option for the realm. If you ever start acting like a tyrant, I will betray you. And then Daenerys goes, well, if you ever betray me, I will burn you alive. And you know that is going to happen eventually. Yeah, exactly. That was foreshadowing 101. You know it's going to happen. The question is, how is it going to happen? Varys, one of the smartest, if not the smartest character on the books and on the show. He gets, she just gets, um, you know, Tyrion tells Daenerys and that's it. He just gets burnt. And I'm like, Varys should have written to someone he would have had a plan he would have had a contingency that's the kind of character he is that is the payoff we're expecting from him we're expecting him to go down Varys not to go down this idiot who's just like uh I guess I'll my, die my, my <laughs> lord and my lady I can't allow this to happen I and, and here's the thing um because as you know, there was this petition about re reshooting <laughs> the end of that. Game of Thrones. Thank you, Internet. Um, and he, he, for me, it was interesting because as someone who usually was never satisfied with stories growing up, and that's why I went into fanfic, mm-hmm. um, I, I find it really, it's kind of even quaint uh, <laughs> that people are like, are like, oh no, uh, I didn't like this, and so they need to change it so that I like it. So I like it, yeah. Um, and, and, and the way I was once read it about fanfic is that, and about more, you know, when, when people like a character, 
like in a series, they all of a sudden, if you read the fabric of those people, you see the character always coming out on top. Yes. Always, always. Like they, they say, like it's the kind of the, the fanfics are usually, uh, you know, they always at the end of of the of the of the fanfic, they always save the world, got the girl, and became prom king. You yeah. know, yeah, it's like yay. Um, so he, one one of one of the things I, I see a lot of complaints here is. Uh, uh, the show, like the character that I liked, didn't have the ending I wanted for him. Am I wrong in that? Well, the thing is, look, George R. R. Martin, he wrote this universe in which anyone can die. It's a brutal universe where people die all the time. So I had a problem, not a problem. Well, I threw a tantrum, a temper tantrum, when I was <laughs> you reading mentioned. the books, when they <laughs> killed... When they killed off my favorite character, because yes. my favorite character by far was Catelyn Stark. She was so good. She was so good. I was I wasn't used to seeing a woman written so well by a man, because she was. Yes, there was a thing of she's maternal. Of course, she is. She is a mother of a noble house in the Middle Ages. There was literally nothing else to be, and yet she was so complicated, and she was brave, and she was powerful, and she was flawed, and she was she had she had the whole thing going on. I would read entire books about her, and then she died, and she died because of a, of a mistake that her son made, and she saw the mistake coming. And because she was a woman in a, in a world where she wasn't allowed to stop his, her son from doing something, she died because of it. She was a victim of circumstance, even though she tried her best to protect her children to her dying breath. And it was such a tragic ending. And it was written, the way it was written in the book, it was beautiful because she, uh, you know, the Red Wedding, the famous Red Wedding, and it starts to happen. And, and I'm reading like, what the f- Fuck, what the actual fuck is happening? Everyone is dying. And you knew that there was going to be a payoff again, set up and payoff. You knew that the phrase were going to do something. Because from the very beginning, she was going, the phrase, don't fuck with them. Don't fuck with the phrase. Even though we are the ruling house of the Riverlands, the phrase are more powerful. Be careful. Blah, blah, blah. Rob Stark doesn't give a fuck because he's an idiot. In the end, <clears throat> it blows up in his face. And the chapter is written so beautiful. When she gets killed, uh, they hold her up by her hair. And it's all narrated from her point of view. And they grab his ha- her hair. And her son has just been killed in front of her. She's gone crazy. She uh, she rakes her own flesh off with her nails well out done. of desperation. She rakes her face with her nails. And then they grab his ha- her hair. And the last line that you read in the chapter is, No, no, not my hair. Ned loves my hair. And then she just feels, and, and the line, the last line is, and she felt the cold of the steel across her neck. Done. And I read that chapter, and I threw the book across the room, and I was like, I'm done. I'm done with this series. I'm done with this book. That was painful. This guy wrote this chapter, pushing all my buttons, because you could tell he loved that character. You could tell he loved that character so much. Dead. I can take it when when a story doesn't end the way I wanted to end with my characters. It's not about that. It's about payoff. It's about is that an, an ending that this character deserves? When there is a death of a loved character, it has to be a good death. Do you remember the death of Oberyn Martell fighting the mountain, the Red Viper? Pedro, oh yeah, Pedro Pascal, oh, hotty, yeah. delicious. Sadly enough, I do remember that. Uh-huh. 
Disgusting. Yes. But good. I don't know. I'm going to tell you this one problem I have with Game of Thrones. Um, it is, and, and it comes back to the thing you mentioned with your with your uh, with your history teacher. I think there's this thing of thinking of Game of Thrones as you know this is realistic just because people die, and the, and the thing is you know like history history is made after the fact. Like yeah. nothing made sense while it's happening. It we all come back and we're like, oh, of course this happened because this already happened. This already blah blah blah. Yeah. Uh, hindsight is twenty twenty. Um, so one of the one of the things, and I say when people ask me why do you stop watching Game of Thrones, I usually say because I didn't need the ne- negativity in my life. And one <laughs> of the one of the reasons is that I just feel that Game of Thrones created uh, this kind of fan that just went that just not only did, did they think. The worst thing is going to happen and should happen uh, in a story is uh, the worst thing could happen and should happen in real life. Like as if, and and for me that's kind of weird because I think that if everyone acted the thing the way well things end up happening in Game of Thrones, like humanity would have lasted like three hundred years or so. Uh, I do have more hope for humanity that George R R Martin does, and and I and I do have an issue with. Um, with with this with this view of humanity as always choosing the uh, worst cruelty way. yeah and cruelty in the worst possible way um and again i i had a lot of conversations with game of thrones fans where we were like well that's what that's the way things are and that's a very bleak way of looking at things for me so i just like was like Ugh. I don't need this kind of shit. In my exactly, life. and again, and again, and 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 when I, and when I came back, I'm like, I've I've seen things, you know. There, there's always seemed to be people, you know, trying to not be, you know, actively shitty to each other. So, uh, so that that was it for me. But uh, so so here, um, and I feel that George, because when when George R. Martin started, you know, uh, especially when, for example, in the Viper. Uh, scene where he dies and people complain and he was like well what did you expect and it felt like a kind of thing going like you were you were wrong for having hope because and because he said there was no other way I'm like well of course for you there's no other you, there's no other way you're the writer of the story but to go but go to go to to your readers and your fans I don't know if the Viper scenes in the book. Yes, um, just as and it is. and tell them you were wrong for having hoped. Yeah, it's like well, if, what we didn't know. You're the one that knows. We don't. And okay, fine. You might say, uh, you, okay, I I had planned this the whole time. Okay, that's cool. But that still doesn't mean that wanting a different outcome makes you wrong. Or stupid. No, I don't think it makes you wrong or stupid. I just think that we're, you know, and I'm sorry, but I think it's just a matter of, have you read Tragedy? I have. Tragedy is about the hero having a flaw that destroys him in the end. Yeah. And we like to watch tragedy because seeing that happen is, as the Greeks call it, purification. Is that There's a purification in seeing that there is a mistake that you can make that can undo you in the end. Do not do this thing, yeah? And I thought both in the book and that that scene of the Viper was wonderfully shot because you could see the flow from the beginning, his hubris, because he was fighting and he was winning. 
And he, in the book, it's, it's said explicitly, but in the, in the, it's, it's very much implied when they ask him, why are you wearing a leather armor? And why are you using a, a spear to fight? And he goes, in the book, he says this outright, but he's like, because I don't plan on letting him, letting him get close to me. So Oberyn Martell is this guy who knows combat. He knows battle. He's a, he's a warrior. So he knows that this guy, close quarters, has got him. Yeah. He's wearing heavy armor. He's using a claymore, for fuck's sake. You cannot stop a claymore, not even with a shield. Yeah. It will fuck you up. So you just have to avoid being hit by it. And in the scene and in the book, you get to see this guy doing this amazing dance yeah. of just poking and poking and poking and poking and just like really just... Small jabs that are going to very vipery, very were. very vipery. <laughs> they call him the viper because of that, because yeah. of his fighting techniques, and he is winning. He's just about to win, and he has poisoned his spear. He knows that the, the spear is poisoned, so he knows that the moment he cuts the guy's flesh, the guy is dead. He just needs to keep his distance and let the poison do the thing, and he's won. But no, he wants the guy to admit that he killed and raped his sister, and he wants to. He wants him to admit it in front of everyone because his real target is not that guy. His real target is Tywin Lannister, who gave the order to do this. Yes. From the very beginning, he's like. Say her name. Say that you did this. Say that you did this. And he starts getting closer while he says this. And you, in the book, you're like, didn't you just say that you were not going to get close? That there was no way, literally, there was no way you would you were going to win this if you got close to this guy. And, and he's getting closer it, both getting physically, closer physically and, emotionally. and emotionally. If he had just kept his distance, he would have won. He had won it already. He literally impaled the guy with a spear. He was yeah. dead. But the guy was still alive. He got very close, and he—they he, both lost. Obviously, he didn't—he didn't lose the fight. Just he, him dying. The guy was brought back from the dead. Uh, in the books, whatever happened to the mountain after he gets back from the dead? In the books, we don't know. Oh, okay. In the books, it's very interesting because they haven't even said that it's the mountain. It's just that okay. this new knight has shown up. He never takes off his off his helmet. He and smells he kind of speak. funky. No, he doesn't even smell funky. <laughs> he just never takes off his helmet and he doesn't speak. Okay. And they call him Sir Robert Strong. Okay. But he doesn't have. And this, in the series, what happened? In the series. The, the, yeah, the, I saw the scene the where they, guy, the, the brain he brings back. him back. Yeah, from the but dead. what happened to them after that to him? Did he die again in the in the series? Yes. Yeah, he gets killed again by uh, his brother. I didn't know the mountain had a brother. The hound. Oh right, the hound. The hound okay. kills him. So, um, yeah. uh, and here's the thing. Yeah, that that scene. I think it's it's it's, it's, it's a tragedy. It, it, it's a great scene. It's but, good but, old tragedy. But but also um, in that uh, again as a, you know it's not something to to retell history as write a story, and I and I think that part of what, why I didn't really get into Game of Thrones it was because it tended to have this thing where it showed emotion always as weakness. As vulnerability, and even though I'm, I'm glad that Sansa made it through, uh, because everyone wanted her dead, because she she made the a lot of people wanted her dead yeah, because well, she was girly. She was a no. She was annoying at some point. She was I found, annoyingly. You stupid. know who I found annoying from like episode five? Arya. 
Like I wonder. Her. I love Arya. I, wonder I just her. love Arya. And and you know why I hate her because I know her character. She's like she she's the I don't I'm not like other girls character that's been written. But there and are many be, characters like be, that in and, Game and of Thrones. Be, and, and will be written. I know. Every woman in the, Game of Thrones is not like the other girls, except Sansa. Brienne is not like the other girls. Catelyn is not like the other women. Arya is not like the other women. Uh, Yara Greyjoy is not like the other women. Which, like, he he does that all the time. Yeah, right? I, it's a little bit... It, 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 to the point where it was kind of like, yeah, we get it. Fem- being a woman is bad. Yay. Also, I have to admit that you know George George R. R. Martin said like, well, I'm I'm, do- I'm basing myself on history, which means that I get a, a a carte blanche in being as awful to the women in my series as I want because. Uh, and I I, th- I think the jury is still out. Is he more awful to the women than he is to the men? Honestly, <clears throat> and I'm not saying I'm not saying men rights to and blah blah blah. Hashtag not all men. Hashtag not all men. Meninist. I'm just no. I'm not going the meninist way. I'm just saying that this world is an asshole to everyone. I did not read the book, so I cannot speak for his writing. I can I did see the series and there is a difference in how women being sexually violated is shot from men being, you know, it's not it's not framed the same way, it's not shot, it's not lit the same way. So you can say the same thing happened, but it's framed in a different way. And and when you and that was the, you were we were talking about the Sansa rape scene, yes. you know. Uh and and it's not the first time it happened, but it, but but it's kind of like this thing where how you shoot it says something about the person behind the camera. Right, and that's where I went, where I started having a, not specifically with Game of Thrones by that point because it's it's a it's a it's it's a school that comes from uh, a a hundred years of cinema, but it was it is come to a point where, where where I was like you know what I there's a lot of things I could be watching other than this, and I absolutely agree. This is not for everyone. It doesn't have to be. No, uh, I do like the fact that Game of Thrones brought tragedy back to the spotlight. Okay. Because tragedy is one of my favorite genres. And it's kind of like fallen out of fashion. The idea that a man destroys himself in the end. And that is okay. It's okay to see Hamlet destroy himself. What, where is the happy ending? There is none. Hamlet was an idiot. Hamlet had this flaw and this flaw destroyed him. What about Macbeth? Macbeth got killed in the end. And what about Othello? Othello got killed in the end. If Othello hadn't been so easily easily manipulated, he wouldn't have died. If Juliet hadn't been so proud, she wouldn't have died. If Romeo hadn't been so proud, he wouldn't have died. Like, there's all these amazing, great stories where you're kind of like yelling at the stage, like, don't go there! Just get out of the city! They're called horror movies. <laughs> but seriously, like, Romeo and Juliet, such a good example. Romeo's like, Juliet, I love you. And Juliet's like, I love you too. And you're like, fantastic. But we're both 13 years old. Yes. And rich. They were both rich. I was like, get the fuck out of the Them city. Damn rich kids. Get the fuck out of the city. Nobody has to know. Go to Mantua or get thee to wherever you want thee to go. Get <laughs> married there. You've got money. With the money you've got in your purse right now, you can live the rest of your lives a happy life together. Instead, they're all like, oh no, first let's get married in this city full of our enemies. But isn't let's- the point of Romeo and Juliet that the families were the ones that were wrong? Doesn't it all end? Maybe the families were wrong, but they knew that their families were wrong from the very first scene. 
deny thy father and refuse thy name. Juliet is telling Romeo, fuck our families. Let's just be happy together. And I'm like, yes, Juliet, that's a fantastic idea. Why don't you? And instead they hang around. And then she says, Romeo, please be careful. And Romeo's like, oh, don't worry, I will. And he goes pick a fight in the center square with the cousin, with Juliet's cousin and kills him. Yes. That's not someone who wants to live. That's not someone who wants his love to be happy. But I mean, that, that's, that's, pretty, that's a pretty harsh statement. It's a harsh statement because it's a tragedy. Because, because I mean, I don't, I don't think that, I mean, Jerome and Juliet, me being the, uh, oh my God, you know, like I'm, I'm this close to having Taylor Swift, like saying like, oh, I'm your Juliet. You don't want to be anyone's Juliet, Taylor Swift. Juliet ends up dead. She ends and, up dead. Um, so, and it's her fault. And his fault. I, I thought. I mean, this is completely like I. I, I thought that it was. It, it, it came. It, it's some being. You know, telling the families, if you hadn't, you know, inherited this hate towards your children. Yes, that's what the characters say. But, but, in, but okay, what uh, do the characters do? I mean, they do a whole lot. I mean, I'm not saying that characters should be flawless because that's also boring. There's also this, like, idea, and it happens a lot in Fatwick, which I enjoy. All I'm saying is it's Where, you know, fine. things happen, and I'm, I'm fine with, with nothing happening in Fatwick. But when I'm, when I'm, but I do like this idea of putting tragedy back in the spotlight and putting that, I mean, what do you think we need to learn about tragedy? Well, the thing is, tragedy is, it used to be, um, you know, one of the most, uh, the most popular throughout history, throughout drama history, the most popular genre for many, 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 many centuries. Um, there is a reason why the big four, Shakespeare's most famous plays, they're all four tragedies. Um, there was a certain degree of, something resonated with people back then about seeing someone destroy themselves through their own flaws and not being able to see beyond them. There was there there are two tragedies to be fair. There are two types of tragedies. There's a tragedy of sublimation and a and tragedy of destruction. And then there's this what you're wearing Luis Augusto. What's happening? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> and then there's the shirt I'm wearing today. That's a third type of tragedy. Oh, fine, I'll stop. The whole point no, no, is No, 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 no. No, 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 no. I was trying to There is a, there's to... something good in seeing this character, seeing Othello being manipulated by Iago. It's like he's manipulating you. Don't listen. You just said you love Desdemona. Just trust her. Please just fucking trust her and he doesn't. And you know he's not going to do it. And you know she's going to die. He's going to kill her because he's going to go into this jealous rage. And there is a certain degree of fuck I'm like that sometimes too. I destroy myself sometimes. I, I know that I'm going to do the thing that is going to fuck me over. And there I go and I do it. And that's therapy. <laughs> that's therapy in a nutshell. It's just like, but why therapist? Why do I do this? And therapist goes, you always do this. Right. I'm never going to do it again. And then two weeks later, yeah. therapist, I've done it again. It's always the same thing. Yeah. We live tragic lives. We keep making the same mistakes that we know we're going to make, that we already know they're coming and we do it again. I'm never going to fall for an emotionally unavailable man anymore. Therapist, guess what? Guess what I've fallen in love with? He's emotionally unavailable. Oh, really? And you keep doing the same thing yeah. over and over again. That's tragedy, and that's why I think it resonates with the human condition because we keep we don't really learn from the. But things. don't. But but isn't the promise, if not promise, the hope 
of happy ending, the one thing that keeps on going, keeps us going? I don't think so. I think it depends on the person. Some people are kept going by rage and That's resentment true. and uh, a sense of justice. And, you know, there, there's all things that can drive people. The pursuit of happiness is just one of them. But, like, some people are just driven forth by responsibility and saying, I'm just going to take care of this person who needs me, and I don't care what happens to me, I'm going to take care of this person. And then you see people who are so devoted to their spouses or their parents that they're literally destroying themselves, and they're happy to do so. Just a fictional example that has nothing to do with my life right now, but, like, it's... We, some of us are driven by different things that are just not the pursuit of happiness. So it's like, what do you want? Some people will say, I want to be happy. Some people will say, I want to be rich. Some people will say, I want my enemies to get justice. I mean, in a country like ours, which is a brutal country, seeing the parents of disappeared children marching up and down the streets, are they hoping for a happy ending? No. That, yes. that hope, no. That hope is lost. That is the tragedy of I mean, you, you also have to... I mean, it, a happy ending meaning, will I see my daughter again or my son? That's no. the only happy ending that they would want. Uh, yeah, that, no, that's, that's the ideal. But also knowing, like for, uh, for some of them, it's just knowing what happened. They know what happened. Yeah, in, know, in a general aspect. They know their children a, were slaughtered. Yes, but they want this specific. It's this, the, they same want th- justice. The, the same thing with, with... I mean, yeah... But, but do they want justice to be happy? Yes. I really don't think so. Well, they want closure. Uh, that's not happiness. Closure is not happiness. Anyone no, but closure who's... is a thing that you need sometimes in order to feel like you're going to be happy again. Maybe. Maybe. I agree. Maybe. But it's just that I think that the more brutal the reality, the more brutal the universe that we live in, sometimes we just need a reminder that life can be that brutal. And sometimes things just fuck us up. Well, yeah, but, like, isn't life enough to remind us about yeah, constantly? It's become, yeah, but I think it's become less and less. It brings us back to Jeremy George in his history class, telling us that we are barely emerging from these thousands and thousands of years of brutality. That for the first time, someone who is not rich can maybe hope to live a reasonably satisfying But even then, life. weren't those people at times happy? I think they had moments of happiness, but they lived in a... Come on. Middle Ages, where Game of Thrones is set. Half the children... Quote-unquote. Yeah. Fictional Half the children... Well, well, it's clear... Come on. Less dragons the, in the, in the, the real The first two Middle books Ages. are literally copying the uh, War of the Roses. Yes. From England, like, literally just lifting it from history. Um, the Lannisters are the Lancasters, and the Starks are the Yorks. Even the name sounds similar. Like, he's not even pretending. The house colours are the same, too. Like, he's not even pretending. Um, and back then... A woman having uh, having a child, there was a 50-50 chance of the child dying. Yes. Like, most people who had three children had buried three as well. Yes. And then the woman could die. Just like that. And people would die out of like, oh, God, I didn't see that nail over there dead. Like, it was a world where death was a lot closer. Like, people would have, like, how many times have you hung out with a dead person? Uh, hung out like having it in your house for a while with a dead person yeah never back then everyone did it was normal but but then again so so, so, I mean I'm not I'm completely I agree with you there were brutal times but don't they seem more brutal from our perspective because like 
this is the thing they say about the, the problem with the human brain is that whatever situation you're in will become the normal. So if it's great, yeah, it's it will just be normal and you will want something better. And if it's awful, it will just become, you know, the normal. So like, it, it, maybe it's a bit, um, I don't know the word for this, but you know, it's kind of, it's kind of like selfish from a point of view to go look back and say, you were like, you were always, I mean, not that they weren't suffering because they were, they were, they, they had awful things happen to them, but for them, there were these there awful no things that, ha that happened to us. It's a normal thing that, that is happening. Well, I'm not a, a historian, clearly, obviously. <laughs> Neither am I. I haven't really read like chronicles of mothers who lost their child, their children, but I have seen the scene of Juliet's parents finding her body and the way Shakespeare wrote it. It's a tragedy. We've lost our daughter to our pride. Yes. There's a reason why he wrote that. He wanted to get a reaction from the audience. You always know what the audience is by looking at the writer. If the writer is writing... You know what E.L. James's audience is by reading E.L. James. Don't read you, E.L. James. No, but if you do, you know who her audience is. And if you read... read E.L. James. <laughs> so I think that... Game of Thrones and the, the Song of Ice and Fire books, they're not afraid of giving you a bad ending, a, a sad ending. Sometimes things end sadly. King Lear is awful in its ending. Romeo and Juliet, yes. Othello, Hamlet, but, 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 but then, Macbeth. But they are, what's the word? Um, but they're cathartic. satisfying, cathartic, okay. But, it's, but catharsis comes so from you, pain. So you feel that that's the one thing that was missing from the Game of Thrones finale, catharsis. There was, yeah, it was missing because they just didn't have time to set up the catharsis. Because they decided, oh, right, we need to make Daenerys into the bad guy. We have an episode to do it. No, a descent into madness is something that happens slowly. Macbeth and Lady Macbeth, they start the play, especially Macbeth. He starts the play relatively sane. Lady Macbeth is already kind of cuckoo, but... They start the play relatively sane, and then scene by scene you see them become more and more unstable, and more and more ambitious, and more and more dangerous to themselves and to, to other people. And then in the end, when Macduff comes in with Macbeth's head in his hand, he goes, this is what happens. And you go, of course. It had to end this way. He would, he spun himself around. And everyone who has been around, and this is something so horrible, but anyone who has spent time with someone who is self-destructive, Yes. It's so heartbreaking because you know how it's going to end. And in fact, that, that's what I, I, I think that it's when you, this, this is a great thing. Like, you know how it's going to end and you know that sometimes the one thing you can do is just step away so it does and not destroy you. Exactly. Alongside. So. Exactly. And you just step away and you know, there's nothing you can do to help. There's no hero sometimes. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you see someone who is destroying themselves and you go, oh, I can help. And then those of us who have tried, we realize, no, you can't. Yeah. There, is, there, there are some people who are just beyond help. Macbeth is beyond help. And there is a catharsis in seeing like, sometimes you just have to going, sit. See? Yeah. See? You just have to sit at the audience and see this Macbeth. human being being destroyed by his flaws and there is nothing you can do but step back and just clench your fists and tighten your asshole and just seeing it happen. You have to see uh, Oedipus 
looking at his mistakes. He could have avoided every single one of them. And then he realizes his mistakes and he rips his own eyes out. And all you can do is step back and let it happen because it was supposed to be this way. So I like tragedy. I love tragedy. I think it's something necessary. It talks, it, it, it speaks to the human condition that sometimes life is fucked. Okay. And I like Game of Thrones because of that. And I think this is the way that this has to end. <laughs> Sorry that we couldn't end on no. a happy note. I think, I think I, you, you've, you've made me reconsider tragedy. So Watch the tragedy. I do watch tragedies. I watch a lot of Mexican stand-up. <laughs> and he steps on that stage. He steps on the stage and you know how it's going to end. You know it's going to be terrible. And he uh, steps on the stage and you want to help because Martin, I'll have you know, dear audience, I'll have you know that Martin, he workshops people and he teaches. He's a teacher. He's a born teacher. And he tries to help people. And these people go into his classroom and he says, I can help you. And then when he's done, he knows it's not going to work. <laughs> he knows that the next time they're going to step on that stage, oh, their, God. Own, their own hubris and their own pride is going to ruin them. And all Martin can do... Sometimes it's just nerves, back. people. Anyway, uh, so thanks so much for listening. Follow uh, us. We're on Twitter and Facebook. For some reason, Instagram is being a bitch and doesn't want to open us an account. But like, follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Uh, you can follow Luis Augusto at... At, uh, at Mr. Drama on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook. You can look for me as Martin Leon on Facebook. Uh, Mintonarel. Figure it out, people. It's not that hard. On uh, Instagram and Twitter. Uh, love you, people. Have a nice week. It was so nice for you to join us. Thank you so much. You take care. Now, finally, I can crunch a chip. A chip. You can have, yeah, you can have a chip. A, a rancherito.